Hi, welcome to the GTEC podcast, All Things Rugged. My name is Mark Reese, Senior Marketing Manager with GTEC. An oil rig is a high-risk environment where a single mistake can result in catastrophe. Life safety is the utmost importance. Accuracy and time could literally mean the difference between life and death for a large group of people working on an oil rig. I recently spoke with Steve Bardos, president of Savant's Workplace, a company focused on employee and visitor management. Their solutions include emergency mustering software that helps ensure all staff and visitors are accounted for during an emergency or crisis. In this episode, Steve and I discuss how Savant's Workplace and GTEC transformed the way Transocean, one of the world's largest providers of offshore drilling services in the oil and gas industry, became more efficient with their emergency muster protocol in the event that an emergency were to take place at sea. If you found this podcast informative and like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our channel. You can also find relevant links in the description below. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Steve, can you give us a 40,000-foot overview of Savants and kind of what industries you provide solutions for? What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So Savants uh, started off a long time ago in accountability. We were, you know, very specifically kind of tracking people and uh, office environments uh, as they would come and go. You know, the receptionist would use our software as kind of an air traffic controller to know who is on site, who is at lunch, when was so-and-so coming back from vacation and so forth. And from there, we kind of uh, evolved into a, a still an account, uh, accountability system, but uh, we now cater to much more use cases, uh, very specifically uh, visitor management, uh, both from an attendance standpoint, as well as uh, uh, from a stand-up kiosk uh, self-service type uh, solution. Uh, we also get into emergency uh, mass notification as well as uh, emergency mustering and the ability to account for people in the event of an emergency. Uh, we also still do an electronic and outboard. We do some display boards. Uh, so it's really high level about accounting for people. And then in the event of an emergency or evacuation, uh, being able to uh, quickly know who is supposed to be on site or who you think is on site and then being able to quickly and accurately account for them in the event of a, an emergency. So, you know, what I'm really picking up is that, you know, you're really focused on really 100% accountability. And I'd like to kind of explore that a little bit. Let's talk about the problems that electronic mustering solutions solves. Your electronic mustering solution, what problems does that solve? Yeah, great question. So, you know, a, a lot of uh, organizations have different levels of commitment to this problem of how do I account for somebody in the event of a drill or an evacuation? And it really depends on the organization and what they do and their risk factor and even who they employ and, and how large they are sometimes as well. Uh, so a lot of the problem, you know, a smaller company, um, may have a paper-based system. Maybe they're just okay, you know, popping out to the parking lot and not worrying so much on who's on site. But as an organization's risk factor goes up and they become larger, uh, you know, accounting for people becomes more difficult. Uh, and then as they're a high-risk organization, that also becomes uh, a, a, 
more important consideration on what to do in the event of an emergency. So uh, take, you know, for example, a, a, a mining facility or a, a chemical uh, factory uh, or an oil refinery or a rig out in the middle of uh, a large body of water. Uh, these types of places have um, higher risk, right? So you can get stuck in a mine. You can have a fire uh, if you're, you know, doing something where you're using uh, uh, explosives or whatever it might be. So uh, a lot of those places will employ uh, a safety or an EHS uh, staff on on their uh, roster, and their job is to keep the place safe. You know deal with OSHA concerns and that sort of stuff. And today, uh, a, a big problem is just knowing who's really on site is one of the first challenges and accurately knowing who's on site. And then uh, number two is if you've got to do a drill or an emergency, how do I figure out uh, as quickly as possible that everybody is accounted for? So when uh, you know emergency response people show up, I can quickly and honestly say, you know, either we've accounted for everybody or no, we're missing two people and and then give some information. And today, most of that is is done on paper. So, you know, you've got paper logs as people sign in. Uh, maybe even you have an electronic method to uh, have people check in at the door with a badge, but you have no real good way to pull that up quickly in the event of an emergency so we solve that all right so let's 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 talk a couple scenarios and then we'll kind of shift gears to a uh the, the transocean case study but let's talk about three scenarios in, in, a, in a rugged environment you know you mentioned mines and mining and those type of uh, uh, uh those type of locations so three scenarios and let's talk about how safety protocols vary from scenario to scenario. So you have an emergency, a general emergency, maybe a multi-phase emergency, and then an uncontrollable emergency. So mm -hmm. can you kind of walk us through the different scenarios and how the solution is important? Yeah, yeah. In fact, it'll kind of relate to even the Transocean case study, and it applies to, you know, multiple facilities. You know, say you've got uh, a gas leak uh, in a certain area, uh, and and how you handle that can be handled differently based on the situation. But very specifically to Transocean, it's and and any uh, you know it's almost take a manufacturing facility and put it out in a large body of water, and that's pretty much what you have on these places. And for those those of you who don't know what Transocean is, if you think back to that Gulf of Mexico incident where oil was spilling for a little while. Uh, and the uh, Deepwater Horizon had that incident. That's them. Those are those guys. So it's basically like a big cruise ship, but it's a manufacturing ship out in the middle of uh, of a body of water. And their problem that they had, uh, you know, basically stemmed to, uh, you know, having good accountability, just like I said, and being able to um, uh, have insight during uh, an emergency and and how to handle that. And what happens in their scenario is they might have um, 200, 250 people on uh, this this uh, drill ship, they call it, and some people call it a rig. But ultimately what happens is the captain's in charge of everybody's life, essentially. And when an emergency hits or a drill, they have situations that 
you know, just as you said, it could be, uh, you know, kind of a single emergency or it could be a multi-phase emergency or it could be, hey, we're going to lose this thing. We have to get off this and we have to abandon ship, they call it. And so in their situation, what happens is uh, they start out with just a muster and a muster means maybe it's a low risk emergency. Uh, maybe it's a man overboard that they think. And so they've just got to figure out hey, is this really a problem? So it's kind of a first phase emergency. Let's go figure out, do we have everybody we're supposed to have? So the first goal is you have to really know, you have to have an accurate count of who's there. And that in, involves both staff as well as uh, visitors or contractors who might be just showing up for the day or for two days or three days or something to do contract work. So we do a good job of managing that, usually through integrations. Uh, and with Transocean specifically, we integrate with their system that uh, accepts people onto the rig and, and lets people uh, off of the rig. So we always have an accurate count. Well, the first thing when this emergency hits, we have to say, okay, hey, everybody, you know, there's alarm sounds and that sort of stuff. Everybody goes to their closest muster location. And we've got um, uh, ruggedized tablets that are either, uh, obviously GTAC tablets, that are either mounted on the wall or they're mounted in a specialized enclosure that can be uh, put outside uh, or they're handheld. And, uh, you know, the, the value of having these multiple muster points is that um, they're equipped with uh, an RFID reader and each of the uh, uh, folks on the on the on the rig or the vessel uh, have wristbands uh, that are kind of like almost like an Apple Watch, except it's got a uh, almost like an employee badge built into the Apple Watch. Um, and then they also have can can optionally carry a regular badge around a break uh, a break a breakaway lanyard. And so they just simply go to these muster assembly points that uh, have, um, you know, GTAC tablets uh, hooked up in, uh, in a POE fashion. And they'll just simply scan their badge or scan their wristband. And the system has uh, a browser-based and uh, a large screen monitor in different areas that start showing counts of where these people are uh, on the vessel and how many total we're supposed to have and uh, how many have showed up in total. So what that allows is on this first phase emergency, they can say, okay, everybody's accounted for, but this person that we think is overboard or here's who we've decided is, is missing. Uh, and so that's kind of a first phase emergency where it's like, okay, hey, we just got to figure out where everybody is. And then it's kind of a shelter in place situation. Then you get into, uh, you know, a second emergency where maybe um, you have an engine fire, for example. Now, in that situation, what happens is that they, again, say muster, but, um, you know, they immediately call for everybody to muster. Now, there'll be a zone in which case this engine fire has occurred in. And what they can do on in many facilities is, uh, you know, institute of, uh, uh, a method to, you know, distinguish that fire. And usually it's through a CO2. 
So uh, what they'll end up doing is basically uh, smothering it, uh, the fire, with a gas, right? Well, that means the people cannot be in any of that zone or else they'll essentially die. So you have to, at that point, you muster, and then the captain will get on, you know, the loudspeaker and say, okay, everybody, you know, move out of zone two. And then now they have to then have a very quick, remember time is of essence, they have to watch everybody move from that area to other safe areas. And then the captain can make a decision, deploy CO2 to put out that engine fire and they can watch that happen. Emergency response people can take their action. Well, let's say that the fire gets out of control and now it's spread. So you can take these multi-steps. You can see where we're getting, where you start moving over to a different area of the of the drill ship. And at a certain point you say, all right, this is unrecoverable. Uh, we've got to abandon ship. And at that point you might tell people, hey, you know, we've got to go to your abandoned ship areas. And that means the lifeboats. Uh, there are specific muster points at the lifeboats. We've got um, nicely designed um, orange pelican case uh, right by the lifeboats where people could have mustered even in the first phase. It's one of the muster points, but definitely on an abandoned ship, they go to designated lifeboats and it could be all of them or it could be, hey, we can only go to these four or something based on the situation. And then finally, you know, when the abandoned ship is called, you know, there's a method and a process that goes into place to take and account for people and say, okay, yeah, it's safe to go ahead and let lifeboat three get released, let lifeboat one get released and so forth. And you can obviously see how important accurate counts are during every step of the way. And it's not just about accuracy, but it's about speed as well. So... Let's switch gears and talk about the Transocean case study for a little bit. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Transocean is one of the world's largest providers of offshore drilling services in the oil and gas industry. So, Steve, can you give us some background on what challenges Transocean was facing that you needed to solve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one was just they were still paper-based, still older technology of figuring out, you know, where people were. Uh, you know, during an emergency, they spend a lot of their time on their drills, uh, actually focusing on on the muster rather than focusing on the emergency they were trying to drill for. Uh, their method, you know, they had a couple various methods. One was that they would, you know, stand in uh, with with a, a, a you know ten people in a row, and then they'd count how many people. Oh, we got 52 people because we got five rows and three extra people. Then they would compare that to final count at they'd radio that in. Uh, and then if it was off, you know, it could be off quite, you know, one or it could be right on. Uh, they also used a T card method. Um, and, and, and the problem was, was um, accuracy and time. Uh, so, you know, their biggest problem was basically finding a solution that was affordable, uh, finding a solution that was electronic and and rather automated uh, so that there wasn't room for error. And then finding something, again, the automation would allow them to focus on the emergency rather than during a drill, focusing on just trying to get a good muster. 
Yeah, I will tell you, I've been in muster situations, and when there's complete chaos going on, you need something that's, you know, a, you know, you need a, a, a something that's just going to work. You don't want to think about it. You don't want all these extra steps, and really is a time-consuming process. So this is an ideal situation, pretty much for these uh, these oil and the oil and gas industry because it's so explosive, because it's, they're so volatile. So this is a great solution. And what I really like about it from, you know, from the GTEC standpoint is that out of all the tablets that you could have went with, you chose the, the, the F-110, which is fully rugged and both ANSI and IECEX certified. What was the ultimate reason, or how did that ultimately come to fruition that you chose the F-110 uh, to be part of the solution? Good question. You know, it kind of rolled back with, um the the need first of all to go away from something that was uh paper based right something that was uh error prone either with the t cards or the count method or whatever and you know the the client looked at uh, a few different solutions uh but when they found us they knew we were tablet based uh they knew we um you know used prox badges and different things like that but they challenged us with well okay hey we're going to need something rugged because it's going to be, you know, we want to have something outside. Uh, we want something, you know, with redundancy on network connectivity. Uh, and then we want something that could be in an explosive uh, area. Uh, and then we want something uh, that would have uh, a good warranty and, uh, you know, be made for their environment. And so, uh, the the GTAC uh, F110 worked out well for us because it was available with an Ethernet port. That was critical for us because we developed a solution that would allow us to just run one single wire out to the unit that would supply power as well as network connectivity. Uh, number two, it had the ability to have an RFID reader built into it, but it also had a USB port. So the USB port would allow us to plug in uh, even uh, a more uh, flexible RFID reader that uh, could read any badge versus the built-in RFID works extremely well, uh, but sometimes you reach certain customers that um, have this unique badge that needs to be read by a different device. So it gave us flexibility there. And then uh, finally, the uh, temperature range that the device supported was critical because we knew we were going to be out in the hot sun uh, inside of a Pelican case, uh, which means you need to have an extended temperature range because that device is going to get uh, get rather hot. So our, yeah. our our typical device that we would have, which was uh, you know often a Microsoft Surface Pro. Uh, in a rug, in a semi-rugged case, uh, works well in an office environment, but when you get in an industrial environment, uh, you need something a little more rugged. And specifically, it worked extremely well for this instance. You know, you just uh, made the case for rugged, you know, versus consumer-grade devices. I can't even begin to tell you how many people I've spoken to at, at various industries, whether it be public sector, utilities, enterprise, who, you know, first of all, they don't see the value of a rugged device or the value that a rugged device plays in a specific scenario like this. 
but they, you know, they think that they can put a, a case on a commercially available device and think that they now have a rugged device or a device that's going to withstand, you know, drops and falls and, uh, you know, heat and vibration and so forth. And that's just not the case. Here's another thing nice, Mark, about the, um, as we think back to the design process, one of our requirements as well was to take this tablet and have it wall mounted, but have it packaged in a way that could uh, support the power splitter of the ethernet in a hidden fashion behind it. Well, through GTEx partners, uh, they had a solution provider that provided different types of mounting applications for the device. And that allowed us to leverage what they had already done, which means it was extremely affordable to get a wall mountable package, but yet still have it slightly customized to hold this uh, splitter and badge reader that we wanted to pair up with the tablet. So it gave us a really slick solution in the end uh, that again, you know, because uh, GTAC caters to uh, an, you know, an industrialized marketplace over a consumer grade device, it, it would be hard for me to take a surface and go find somebody who says, hey, I've already designed something that's pretty close to what you want. Here you go, I'll, I'll, I'll create a tweak to it and give you a solution like this. So that was another thing that uh, applaud to you know your partner network that enabled us to uh, uh, gain a, a a solution that we wouldn't have been able to do on our own uh, for for mounting the device uh, ultimately. And and re the reality is a lot of people don't actually think about that. It's more than just a device. You know, we're talking about a complete solution. And and as we talk about the solution, you know, what I want to do is let's talk about the results they had. So, you know, they, they brought you on board. They decided on your solution. They said, let's do this. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about those results since deploying um, since deploying. What type of improvements have they seen overall improvements? What have you seen? Yeah. What did so you, I, and more importantly, sorry to interrupt, what did you expect? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we obviously expected improvement and efficiency, right? So. Uh, again, efficiency and accuracy were the number two goals uh, of the project. Uh, being able to, you know, focus on the actual emergency uh, was another big deal. And even just, you know, I had the pleasure to go on one of these uh, drill ships um, during uh, before we even went live to kind of uh, uh, meet some folks and uh, assess uh, where we were going to install certain things and talk to some of the engineers and stuff. And every Sunday they do a, a drill. And so I happened to get involved in one of the drills and uh, just so happened uh, it, they did, they, this drill ship used the count method and uh, their method was we, you know, people hopped in line and then they called certain areas. How many people do you have? How many people do you have? It was a lot of phone calls. Like this guy sitting on the phone, writing stuff down. He had a, sheet of paper that he would write how many people were in each of the different locations. He had probably 20 locations written on a piece of paper and they were just writing down numbers, numbers, number. Then he had a old fashioned calculator right next to him. I mean, it wasn't the ticker tape style, but you know, you get the picture and he's sitting there flipping through his count and then he kind of totals it at the bottom. Well, during my day that I was there, the count was off. And so 
then they basically kind of switched gears into, okay, well, we got a problem with the muster. So, you know, hey, why don't you start? They He literally called each location and they would run through names. And he had kind of a master list that he started checking off names with somebody. And so then he'd call the next location and he started checking out their names. We were up to 28 minutes of a muster uh, during that time frame of them trying to find out why their count was not accurate and who was missing. And, you know, obviously time is everything, right? When you talk about the proliferation of a real problem. And, and the other problem is, is that they were supposed to be actually trying some exercise of, hey, we have a cabin pressure issue, or we have an engine fire, or we have uh, an, uh, a leak in this gas, or whatever it might be, right? So like, so my experience was we had a 28-minute a, a muster, and I got to see him scramble. Uh, well, you contrast that to after they put in our system, uh, during the case study, we asked one of the captains, you know, hey, what are uh, what are some things we same questions you're kind of asking us? And uh, my my favorite story is that uh, they had a 2 a.m. muster. Picture that everybody's got to get up out of bed. You know, I'm sure there's some people still working the rig, but a lot of people are probably sleeping. 2 a.m. muster, drag everybody out to their muster points. And, uh, you know, it's a real emergency. So you got, just like you said, the chaos of this isn't a drill. Like, this is the real thing, you know. And uh, they did an eight-minute muster, and they had a minor uh, uh, fire that they were able to take care of. But they did an eight-minute muster of uh, just under 200 people. Uh, And you compare that to the 28-minute muster during a drill, uh, I mean, that, that just goes to show you you know it's it's it literally could save a life it's it really is time is of the essence this has been really informative and i I very much appreciate your time i want to put all your contact information in the description in the notes um but man i i appreciate you taking some time to talk to us i'm glad that we could be part of this that gtech could be part of this uh solution because it really is it's more than computing it's saving lives and potentially saving so it's thank you cool. so much. It's, yeah, it's, it's exciting to know that, uh, you know, you, you you go to work and you hope you're doing something that's impactful. Uh, and it's nice to know that the results, just like you said, um, truly, you know, could make a difference. Uh, so it's it's just exciting when you see your work put into put into play in that fashion. Absolutely. Steve, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Mark. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast. And if you would like more information about any of our speakers or GTEC solutions, you can find relevant links below in the description. I'm Mark Reese, Senior Marketing Manager with GTEC, and remember, together we solve.